This is Season 5 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Today on the show, useless history information. And we'll scare you with some useless horror. Yes, and pretty cool inventions. Plus, we will answer your questions from our mailbag and your favorite news from around the world. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode number five. Happy today. What happens tomorrow is history. Yeah! (laughs) Napoleon Bonaparte, yes, a French general, was once attacked by a horde of rabbits. No. Yes. What kind of general is he? He was scared of some rabbits. But here's the actual story. He had arranged for a rabbit hunt for his top men. And so he got thousands of rabbits together, put in boxes, and then they released them all at the same time. And instead of running in the opposite direction, they ran directly for Napoleon and his horse. (laughs) Needless to say, he was saved by a hare. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm sorry. I'm follically challenged. I don't get that at all. Not at all. That's all right. Juliana was a medal-winning Great Dane. She died in 1946, sadly. But in her lifetime, she was awarded not one but two Blue Cross medals. One was for alerting her masters to a fire that had started in their shop. And the second Blue Cross medal went to Juliana for extinguishing an incendiary bomb by urinating on it. Wait, okay, so this dog... Yes. Alerted them to a fire that was happening. That saved their lives, yes. But on the next one, yeah. This one, this dog ran over to the where did this dog work? It didn't say where because the location was undisclosed for security purposes. But mm. she found the incendiary bomb and she urinated on it to defuse it. Whoa. Okay, that's a pretty smart dog, you know? That's what, what was the dog's last name? MacGyver? <laughs> <laughs> Holy mackerel. In 1830, it was sold as a cure for everything. In 1834, it was sold as a cure for upset stomachs by Ohio physician named John Cook. Do you know what it was? No. It took more than 70 years before it became a condiment. It was ketchup. Oh, really? We had said that it was sold as a medicine, but I didn't know that in 1830, they basically sold it as like a snake oil type of cure-all. But by 1834, this guy, John Cook, he was selling it for upset stomach. Now, let me get this straight. An acidic tomato product. Highly acidic, yeah. Upset stomachs. What the hell is that? Didn't quite cut the mustard, did it? Ah, that's a condiment joke. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize the condoms were flavored in mint. Oh, yes, they are. Yeah. Okay. Well, take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got a minute? The shortest war in history lasted 38 minutes. Gee, I wonder what else lasts 38 minutes. (laughs) 
Oh, that's great because I got the same one. Do you really? Okay. Where to go? So this this proves that. Thank you for listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. And as we often tell you, we do not rehearse the show. All we agree on is the topics, and the history is one of them. We do not tell each other what the facts are going to be. So this this war lasted thirty eight minutes. It was between Britain and Zanzibar, known as the Anglo Zanzibar War. It occurred mm-hmm. on August 27, 1896. Usually when you hear about wars, it started in this year and it ended in that year. In this war, it occurred on August 27, 1896. This, this war, it, it takes longer to say Ag- Anglo-Zanzibar War than the actual war took. In <laughs> exactly. fact, when you when you talk to the Brits in like 1897, oh, what stories they had of that war. <laughs> That's right. 38 minutes. Hey, uh-huh. by the time Juliana went and urinated on the incendiary bomb, boy, the war was over. It's it. It probably it was would have been all wet, so to speak. It was all wet. You know what? Maybe the war would have ended a lot sooner if she was on, on there at the war. You know, well, it would have been called the Anglo-Zanzibar Golden Shower War. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, speaking of ferrets and dogs and monkeys, I don't know if you were you speaking of that ferrets and dogs and monkeys. Yeah, no. so not speaking of ferrets dogs and monkeys they were the most popular pets in the roman empire instead of cats ancient romans used ferrets to hunt mice and rats and they used dogs as guards and monkeys as entertainment they used monkeys monkeys as entertainment yeah well that makes sense i mean monkeys are pretty funny they are and they're very much like humans Except when they throw their poop at you. Or yeah. Maybe some humans throw their poop at you. I don't know. And I don't want to know. I don't want to know either. Well, you know, if, if but Juliana can urinate on bombs and monkeys can throw feces at you. What's going to happen next? Yeah. we. This is when you hope history doesn't repeat itself. Famous English poet Lord Byron, before attending Cambridge University, found out that he could have a pet in his dorm with him. Nice. So he decided, well, dogs and cats, they're pretty boring. So Lord Byron brought a pet bear. (laughs) Really? Now, this is true. He actually was seen all the time walking his pet bear with a chain on it and would keep it in his dorm. Now, had I gone to Cambridge and found that out, I would have got like some swimsuit supermodel and put her in a bearskin coat. Okay, for those of you who are against all that stuff, Peter, I'm talking to you. You know, Peter, no, no, I wasn't talking about lunch. <laughs> oh, you said it's, it's a bear a, sandwich on a pita. I love pita bread. Oh, pita's delicious. You could put a schmear of hummus on it. It's delicious. Yeah. Yeah. In 1998, there were 1,200. <laughs> was it, is that what you had for lunch? Is that why you have like pita on your mind? No, no, I had the swimsuit model with a bear costume on my mind, but go on. Yes. In 1998, 1,200 bones from 10 human bodies were found in a basement. The basement belonged to Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin had 1,200 bones in his basement. From 10 human bodies that were found in 1998. Now, before you go on and saying, "Uh uh-oh, one of the, you know, America's forefathers, one of the forefathers, you know, he, what did he do? It was revealed that the bodies were used in the study of the human anatomy. Yeah, right. That's what they told people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what Jeffrey Dahmer said. <laughs> oh 
I'm studying. So, speaking of scary... Bone chilling. Blood curdling. Oh, the horror of horrors. Listen, if you dare. She scares me. She does. My gosh. I'm not she's, messing with her. She's so good. She, we really appreciate all the work that she does. She is what they call our imaging voice on the totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Roy, what do you got in terms of horror, useless horror info? When aging actress Betsy Palmer took the role of Pamela Voorhees in the Friday the 13th movie, mm -hmm. it wasn't because she loved the script. It wasn't because she really liked the role. It was because she hadn't worked in a while. And Betsy Palmer, the famous actress, needed a new car because her car blew up. <laughs> and she did not have the money for it. So she said, I'm broke. So I'm going to take the next script that, script that comes along. And she actually took that script, which actually wasn't a bad script for her. She became very famous for it. Yeah. And uh, But isn't that wild? She said she would have never, ever done that film had her car not broken down and needed a new car. Well, things happen for a reason. The horror genre has never gotten much love from the Academy. You know, though they've been around for many, many years, there seemed to be like a bias against the scary movies. Mm. The Exorcist, however, earned 10 Oscar nominations in 1974, including Best Supporting Actress for Linda Blair, who was just 15 years old at the time. That's crazy. And do you know, when that movie came out, we were told by the priests and nuns in our school uh -huh. that if we went to see the film, even if we went with our parents, that we would go directly to hell if we died. Wow. So you went to a Catholic school? No, I actually saw the movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, Makes I sense. did go to a Catholic school, and we did go to, we snuck in through the exit to go see that film we hid and then we sat in seats and watched the film and i really i said to my brother i never forget this i said we shouldn't be here this is really bad <laughs> that's right so get living hell out of me so what you did was so you went through the exit but you walked in backwards and pretended you were just walking out yeah i said i'm the backwards man the backwards man <laughs> <laughs> That's from a movie. That, if anybody knows that, email us. There you go. That's pretty cool. Movie, oh, yeah. movie called Freddy Got Fingered. I know that's crazy, but you got to see it. Yeah. Danny Lloyd was the little boy in the movie The Shining. Remember the little boy at the yeah. hotel? Yeah. Okay. He was so young that when he tried out for the part, they lied to him. They didn't want to scare him and say he was going to be making a horror film. Yeah. When they finally picked him, they still lied to him and told him it was a drama and so on and to do the lines and so on. It wasn't until, I guess, blood started flying out of the elevators. <laughs> they needed to tell him something. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> yeah. He grew up pretty fast, I'll tell you. That. He did. Uh, while the lack of shark appearances works to heighten the tension in Jaws, because if you remember the movie Jaws, the, the shark wasn't mm -hmm. around for too long, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because... Bottom, bottom. There you go. Yeah, we we couldn't buy the rights for the uh, for the theme, so we actually hum it and sung it and sung it. Right. So, that was another scary film. Jaws. Yeah. So yeah. the real reason why the shark wasn't shown in full is because the mechanical shark that they had built rarely worked during the filming. 
So the director Steven Spielberg had to do had be creative, right? In, the, in very creative ways, like those yellow barrels to shoot around the non-functional movie shark. Yeah, that was. I tell you the truth, though, boy. Even even today, if you watch it, of course the the special effects nowadays are so great. Yeah, they make draws look kind of stupid, but it's still good. It's still fresh, and I'm not a big Spielberg fan, but. It's still a good movie, I'll tell you. Really good acting, too. So, in the horror film Scream, okay, had you, have you seen Scream? Many times. Okay, I have not. I've never seen Scream. The janitor's name is Fred. Fred, Wes Craven, the, the, the um, famous director of the film Scream, wanted to give a nod to the movie Nightmare on Elm Street. So if you notice, Fred the janitor wears a very similar red and green sweater as homage to Freddy Krueger and was played by Craven himself. Wow, okay. Craven actually does a cameo playing that part, but he wears a very similar sweater as homage to another film. Way to go. Well done, Wes. Okay, cool. Um, So Faye Ray... You know, the famous Faye Ray, where she mm. starred yeah, in, the, King Kong. in King, King Kong. Kong. She was hot. She was. So this is how they I told put her. her in a, put her in a bear outfit. Or in, in a monkey <laughs> outfit, maybe. Not, yeah. Or just bear. Or just bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A bear Faye Ray. Sure, say that one yeah. time slow. A bear Faye Ray. In the attempt to entice Faye Ray into starring in the, in the movie in 1933, the director, Marion C. Cooper, promised you're going to have the tallest, darkest leading man in Hollywood. <laughs> okay. So she thought, great, I'm going to be working next to, uh, working with Cary Grant, right? Tallest, darkest leading man in Hollywood. Cooper- Sounds more like Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Cooper went on to point out that, Cooper went on to point out that the giant ape was the tallest, darkest leading man in Hollywood. So technically, they didn't trick her. They weren't lying. He, King Kong mm-hmm. was the tallest, darkest leading man in Hollywood at the time in 1933. Wow. Heather Donahue, the main actor in the Blair Witch Project. Now, have you seen that? That was scary. That was like well, scary, and I think you developed a vertigo when you're watching it, right? Blair Witch Project was 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 an odd film because it was so poorly shot and it was so garbage as far as the way it was made but that one scene at the end is just so scary that it makes the whole film almost worth it yeah but heather donahue gets the main part in the film heather was like it was her first real movie that she was acting in and she realized that the film was so low budget she later explains that she was very very scared for her and her other uh, cast members because she truly thought that they were taking them into the woods to make a snuff film and that they were going to kill them. They were so poorly paid. They shot the entire film in less than eight days. Wow. So she just thought it was a screw around thing that they were going to actually murder them. <laughs> oh my oh my God. Gosh, that's scary. Uh, Ed Gain, also known as the butcher of Plainfield, was an American convicted murderer and body snatcher. His house of horrors made headlines for years and after he was sent to a mental hospital for his actions. These were so memorable, they inspired most of the most iconic thrillers of all time. Psycho, 
Silence of the Lambs, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre are among them. Among the items discovered in his Wisconsin farm were noses, masks made of human skin. I don't want to really freak anybody out. Decapitated heads and all kinds of weird things. Yeah, sounds like it was a big part of his life. It was. (laughs) He later admitted to only two of the murders and said most of the items that they found came from a late night cemetery raid. Yeah, sure. That's it. Right. Wow. He had noses. He did. He kept noses around. All right. So if you like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. So this is a, a bon- here's some bonus material on totally useless information with Nick and Roy. So I'm going to make this last about 15 seconds because if you're squeamish, you can fast forward 15 seconds. Ready? They found four noses, nine masks made of human skin, numerous decapitated heads, lampshades and bowls made of skin, lips were used as a pull on a window shade, and belt made from nipples. Ooh, the old nipple belt. Okay, 15 seconds has gone by. We hope that you fast-forwarded and you're <laughs> oh listening to Totally Use This Information with Nick and Roy. Wow, it's gross. But if you go to nickandroy.com, you can see pictures of us. That's pretty gross, too. <laughs> Innovation. Ideas. The Totally Useless Information Podcast presents Inventions. So if you're walking around the house in the dark, um, you know, and you stumble and along and you stub your toe, right? Because you're either mm. stepping on the kid's toys or you stub, you know, your toe on the corner table or something. Well, there's no more stumbling around in the dark or stubbing your toe because thank goodness for this invention, LED slippers. Light up slippers. These fleece slippers come with built-in movement sensing LED torches so you can see where you're going. So... You, you have like little spotlights, headlights on your on your slippers. That's right. So you won't be you won't stub your toe on the table, but you're going to bump into the wall because you're looking at your feet. Uh, but not only that, you got like a really upset cat that flashes you because he thinks you have your high beams on. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, you know, the little square plastic thing that holds the um, white bread bag. Yeah, the tags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little that little square tag that has the little cutaway in it that yeah. you put around the bag and it keeps it from opening. Right. Well, that was invented by a guy named Floyd Paxton. Okay. Floyd Paxton was flying around. He was on a plane years ago before, you know, all the other like really cool stuff was out. And Floyd needed to close a bag on a thing of chips that he had. So he had this little piece of plastic there, which he notched out a little hole and he clipped it onto the bag. And then when he got home, he said, I'm going to make these. How genius was that? A little piece of plastic he found turned into what was the what is the white bread bag closing clip. Well, what's really, really interesting, I know this is totally useless information, but... Here's something useful. You could take those bread tags and you can organize all of your cables and stuff because sometimes they're kind of, you know, they looks really messy behind your computer or your or your mm-hmm. stereo or whatever or your hi-fi, okay? So use mm-hmm. these bread tags to corral the cords and this way it looks nice and neat. Oh, there you go, folks. Useful. So, 
You have bread tags all over the house. There you have it. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know, those of you who've broken your leg and you had to walk around with crutches, what a pain that is, right? Because people want to sign the cast and you have to sidestep some tours because it's just a pain to do it, you know. But how mm -hmm. about, but no, but there's this great invention. According to Unnecessary Inventions designer, Manny Benedetto, he made his latest project, which guarantees to put a little pep in your broken step, and that is pogo stick crutches. Pogo stick crutches. So you hop around. That's right. On the crutches. That's right. These recreational so crutches. What's this guy's name? His name. He's Unnecessary Invention designer, Manny Benedetto. Okay, Maddie Benedetto, Benedetto probably is responsible for more two broken legs. Than <laughs> they right. broke the second leg trying to keep them. And that's how he keeps his business going. What an ingenious idea. Oh, my God. That was a crazy idea. You know what I want to invent? I want to invent a clip-on fake cast. <laughs> That's right. That you could bring to Disney World with you and get on all the rides like really quickly. <laughs> there you go. There's another useful tip. Boy, we haven't had back-to-back -back useful information on totally useless information with Nick and Roy. A man named Paul Winchell was best known as the voice of the character, cartoon character, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. He would alternate back and forth. And Gargamel from the Smurfs. Now, if that wasn't making him famous enough, you know what else he had done before those two things? No. He invented the mechanical artificial heart. Wow. So this guy, Paul Winchell, guys, this is the one to get the pencil on. That's His right. Yeah. Paul Winchell it was the voice of Tigger and Winnie the Pooh and Gargamel the, from the Smurfs. He was the voice for those cartoon characters, but he also invented the mechanical artificial heart in his spare time, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Be still my heart. Wow, that's pretty cool. Excellent. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. Um, so we're talking about inventions as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. How about a portable toaster? Now, what this is, is a knife that gets heated and it's hot enough to toast a slice of bread. Like you've heard of, you know, a hot knife through butter. No, this mm. knife gets hot enough to heat and toast a slice of bread. Easy wow. to clean. And you can, you know, really take it anywhere you want. If you travel around the world, you can take this with you. It's really convenient. It would be really cool if it looked like a, like, it almost looks like a lightsaber. Okay. Mm. But there you go. A portable toaster actually toasts your bread. When years ago, when I went camping one time, they had a thing where you could put two pieces of bread in it and yeah. then it had mirrors on it. And yeah. then these metal things that held the bread and the mirrors would heat up the metal things and toast the bread for you from the sunlight. That's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to look that up and find out what it was called. A man named Nicholas McKay mm -hmm. was scheduled to be a chaperone at a high school dance. He was not used to wearing suits. He was probably a mechanic or you know, construction worker or something. Right. But it was a big deal that he was picked as a chaperone for this high school dance. So he took out his one and only suit to find out that it was full of crap all over it. So he tried brushing it to no avail. So what he did was he took a roll of masking tape and rolled it up backwards on a piece of stick and then took the lint off of the suit. When he realized what he had done... And somebody said, wow, that's a great idea. He said, 
really? Do people wear suits? No, no. He said, yeah. I've got to invent this. And thus, the lint brush was invented. Oh, Crazy. Wow. I love that one. So <laughs> if, you, if you didn't get that, take a pencil or a pen, rewind it the last 15 or 30 seconds, and listen to that again, and share this with all of your friends. Crazy. I'm totally useless information with Nick and Roy. So this, my last invention is a math clock, where you have to do all the work to figure out what time it is. The Albert clock displays math equations instead of actual time. There's one equation for the hour of the day and another one for the minute. So to tell the time, you have to do the math first. For instance, if the clock, the clock will display 8 plus 3 hours and 25 minus 3 minutes means 8 plus 3 is 11, 25 yeah. minus 3 is 22. So instead mm -hmm. of saying 11, 22, it says 8 plus 3 and 25 minus 3. The designer made the clock to help kids brush up on their math skills and their javelin throwing skills because it goes flinging across the friggin' room. Yeah, and Nick has a clock like that, and that's why when he shows up to work late, he says, I'm just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's been known to happen. Mm -hmm. Fifth grader Clara Lazen created a model of an undiscovered molecule that they knew about, but she took the time out to create the model of tetraitrotoxycarbon. Tetraitrotoxycarbon. Okay. The model from this fifth grader was so good that till this day, it is the model that scientists use when they are describing tetraitrotoxycarbon. She was wow. that good. Yeah. A fifth grader. Amazing. And Nick can't tell time with a math clock. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. She was born on March the 9th, 1959. She was first displayed at the New York Toy Fair. Her name, Barbie. Barbie. But Barbie actually has a full name. Her name is Barbara Millicent Roberts from Willows, Wisconsin. Oh, she actually has a place she's from. She's from. So not only her full name, so Barbie, your Barbie doll that you have if you collect them or your kids, her full name is Barbara Millicent Roberts from Willows, Wisconsin, born on March 9th, 1959, and she was first displayed at the New York Toy Fair. Cool. See, I like that stuff. That's cool. Yeah, it because is. they it, took the time to 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 do that. <laughs> you know? They did to figure it all out, right? You know. So, if you'd like to find out more information, you go to our website. What's our website? NickAndRoy.com. That's Nick. And Roy.com. And send us a mailbag. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? So today's mailbag is Timothy from Queens, New York. Oh, yeah. We know Queens. We know you, New York. Yeah. Well, he says. He loves the show and was turned on to it by his mother, who has listened to over 80 episodes of your show. Thanks, Mom. Boy, is she smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she could use one of those math clocks. Well, Tim asked me a really good question. Right. Tim says, 
where did the expression the big apple come from he said you guys are both from new york so i figured you might know mm, good question well do you know nick no i don't i've eaten apples but i know we've referred to new york as the big apple and the apple. logos on it yeah in fact if you remember i drew the apple with the building in it when i was a kid and won the prize for the thing and they used it all over the place it yeah. was all over the street signs and everything yeah well, the actual saying comes from a news sportscaster who said that there were four major horse tracks in New York State. Folks, write this down because I would have never got this in a million years. Yeah. There were four major horse tracks in New York State that hosted four of the major horse races in the actual sport. If one horse won all four of those races, it was considered to win the Big Apple. Oh. And the saying became used, and after a while, they called it the Big Apple. Apple. Crazy. That's a great question to me. I think they also use it as part of their I Love New York campaign, and it just yeah. took off from there. Really great, uh, great idea. So that was Timothy. So, Timothy, you ask and ye shall receive at NickAndRoy.com. Go to NickAndRoy.com. Leave us an email because we will do stuff like this for you, and we'll put your name on, and you can tell us some personal information about yourself. Okay, what? Heidi Klum? No, 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 no. <laughs> So today on the show, we talked about some history. We scared people with horror. We scared people with some inventions. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. You know where this story is from? A Florida woman is, Florida is behind bars after allegedly attacking her husband with a plate of spaghetti. Yeah, it was a case of domestic pasta battery that left the victim covered in meat sauce. No. Investigators charged Melissa Daigle, 44. She was intoxicated during a family discussion, you think? She was sauced. She was sauced. She was sauced. (laughs) (laughs) So 44-year-old Melissa Daigle was sauced, and it turned violent when she threw her dinner, a plate of spaghetti, at her spouse. Now, was it spaghetti or was it like panne or rigatoni? Because no, this is important, Nick, it, because you hit somebody with a with a hard panne and take their eye out. No, no, this was spaghetti. This is actually spaghetti. Spaghetti. Not the thin capellini. This was spaghetti. It stuck to the right. torso and the lap of Daigle's husband. On, wait, it went into his lap. It went was into it his. Hot? Well, see, that's the thing. The victim was not injured, just covered in meat sauce. So thankfully, he's okay. So he had a whole bunch of spaghetti around his junk. It looked like he needed to be waxed. <laughs> no. That's when, sp- uh, that's when a plate of spaghetti became a spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah, exactly. It looked like that, right? Because it was just spaghetti, but then it was sitting in his lap. And right. It could have been misconstrued, and then somebody sticks a fork in it, and that's <laughs> really bad. That's right. That's when, so he wasn't injured by the spaghetti throwing now incident. that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> that's right. So his wife, Daigle, was arrested at the, as for domestic battery, as we said, and booked in the county jail. During a court appearance, a judge barred Daigle from having any contact with her husband and ordered her to be outfitted with an alcohol monitoring device. It was outfitted with an alcohol monitoring device, but the judge also requested to taste the pasta. <laughs> 
Here, give me a fork. Could you, a bailiff? Could you give me a fork? I want to taste taste this pasta. I love a good sauce. Can you give me a fork? <laughs> so now Daigle and the victim were married for twenty years, mm-hmm. and they fought in front of their adult children. Now Daigle, who works at a lar- at a Largo bar, was arrested for allegedly spitting on her husband earlier in the year and striking him in the face with her car keys during Wait a, a This is the spaghetti woman? This is the spaghetti woman. She She's was got her past. She's that, got a record here. So prosecutors subsequently declined to pursue charges against Daigle at that time, <laughs> but oh. her luck ran out because this time around, when she threw the plate of spaghetti at her husband, she was charged. It wasn't the last straw, it was the last spaghetti. <laughs> the last pasta. <laughs> <laughs> the judge was like that's it. I'm done here. You're spitting at him, throwing your keys, and now you're hitting him with pasta. What a waste of food. You know there are kids starving in India? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And there are people who are horny in Ohio. So what was the end result? Did the husband, uh, you know, get any type of damages other than a uh, plate full of pasta? In his tent? <laughs> no, he, he was given a loaf of bread. <laughs> yeah, you got any uh, Italian bread for me to lap this up That's in right. my lap? And a spoon. <laughs> and a spoon to lap up the spaghetti. To lap this up, no pun intended. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of lapping it up, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We will scour the internet and other sources to find out more useless information for you guys next week. So, if you like pouring meat sauce in your lap, <laughs> go to nickandroy.com. That's nickandroy.com and leave us an email. So, leave us some, some information. And also, please tell a friend about the show and share it. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of nickandroy.com. Visit nickandroy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.